I think a lot of companies underinvest in the sales enablement function. Sales enablement as a function is not a luxury. It's really a necessity. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Our guest in today's episode is a senior executive at one of the leading sales enablement technology platforms. He owns the full customer journey at his organization, which is why he is constantly exposed to the latest sales enablement trends and challenges across industries across the globe. Please welcome the Chief Operating Officer at Showpad, Hendrik Isabet. Hendrik, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, Felix. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. So you're based in Belgium. Thanks so much for dialing into the show today. It's always good to find a bit of an overlap if you're connecting with people halfway across the world. Yeah. For those people that don't know you, what do you do and what's your background? My name is Hendrik Isabart and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Showpad, a Belgian-based sales enablement company. Obviously operates globally, but our HQ is in Belgium. Awesome. And what's your background? What did you do before you started Showpad? Yeah. So before I started at Showpad, I actually started my career selling laundry detergents and diapers and stuff like that with Procter & Gamble. Okay. I started my career off as a sales rep that first year. So did that for a little bit under a year and then uh, grew through the ranks at Procter & Gamble, did a short stint at Bain & Company and Consulting, then did my MBA in the United States. During that time that I found out about Showpad. And obviously, given my own experience as a seller, I was so passionate immediately about the problem that Showpad was trying to solve, which is to help salespeople to provide a better buyer experience to their customers. I love it. So I, I could immediately relate to the problem they were trying to solve. And so I joined them and I've been here ever since. So uh, for the last five years. Excellent. So I'm very familiar with the sales enablement landscape in Australia. But I'm continuously learning about what the profiles of businesses that really use sales enablement across the world really looks like. So from your point of view, because you also have that global view of sales enablement in 2021, what really is the profile of a business that has the potential to benefit most from sales enablement? Yeah, good question. I would say there's two different profiles where we see sales enablement really benefit the business. The first is like more complex businesses and that have a complex go to market, either because their product, their solution is very complex because they have a really complex assortment of goods and it's hard for salespeople to find their way through that assortment. Or lastly, because it's just a very complex organization and so it's hard to get information from one side of the organization to the other. That's where we see sales enablement play a really, really big role in transferring information from the marketing organization to the field organization to their customers and in helping the customer-facing organization to better navigate that complexity when they're in a customer-facing situation. So those are typically like large enterprise, multinational companies that would face these types of problems where they have multiple product lines, multiple geographies, etc., that need to be addressed by their sales organization and their, their go-to-market organization. The second big area that we see are, are growth organizations, so organizations that are really in hyper-growth mode. And what's interesting there is that they're solving a completely different problem, but at the core of it, it's still about content. But the problem that they're trying to solve is that there's a lot of tribal knowledge in those organizations that builds over time. 
And so they're looking for ways to really institutionalize that knowledge, capture that knowledge, and then build on top of it. And that can go from either the knowledge around a certain product line or an account executive or a sales rep who has a certain approach to their conversations with their customers and how to replicate that. So two very different use cases that we see most often. Mm-hmm. So you would say generally use case one is more about reducing internal friction to set sales up for success. And then number two is becoming more organized around the way you sell and go to market. Exactly. The first is really about, okay, how do we make sure that everyone's aligned across the organization and has the same talking points, has the same content to use. Whereas the latter is more about like building those best practices, understanding also through the data what's working, what's not working, and then replicating that. And those companies attempting to scale, are those typically startups? Yeah, yeah, we see uh, most of the time uh, we're looking at tech startups in that realm and that part of the segment. So a lot of these tech startups have really high growth rates. They're adding sales reps and account executives at a really high pace. And so they need to find ways to get those people on board, make sure that they get information in a consistent way and that they're then enabled to reduce the time to first deal. That's typically the metric that's most important there for those companies. What is the highest growth rate in terms of headcount you've seen like in sales teams? Like how many people have been hired in a short amount of time that had to be enabled? Yeah, that really ranges broadly. But there's one of our customers that over time, they started with roughly 30 sales users. And so in the course of three years, they scaled that up to 150, 160 sellers on their platform. And of course, of three years. Wow. So that's been a really impressive growth that that company has gone through. And it's been interesting to see how our platform has been able to kind of play a role in helping them scale that organization and scale along with them. That's ultimately the goal, because what's important with sales enablement, it's not just about the tech. It's also about like the adoption and about the business processes that you build around your sales enablement strategy. And the tech needs to support that. The tech plays a role in supporting that transformation. So there's different stages throughout. Whereas you'll probably first in that situation, you'll start focusing on your onboarding and making sure that you have well-organized onboarding so that everyone gets the same information as they start and that they then scale throughout their journey. You're then going to start evolving more towards, okay, how do we now provide that optimal buyer experience now that these people are truly educated and have all the information that they need in order to have the right conversations? Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned customer success and customer support. From your point of view, how do customer success and customer support fit into the context of sales enablement? Because most of the time, the sales enablement conversation evolves around sales staff and sometimes also marketing. How do the other customer-facing teams fit into the context? Yeah, and this is what's the goal of sales enablement. That's maybe the first question to answer. And I think how we would answer that at Showpad is to help companies to deliver the best possible buyer experience to their customers. That's the ultimate objective of sales enablement. And if you then think about what goes into that best buyer experience, it obviously doesn't stop at the seller. It doesn't stop at the sales team that closes the deal. And many organizations are now going to more recurring business models. And so that's where you'd really need those customer success professionals, customer support professionals to be able to provide that same level of experience and a very consistent experience. And that's where we see sales enablement move a little bit from sales enablement to revenue enablement. 
where it goes broader, it goes beyond those sales teams. And so some of the organizations we work with that are really taking that to heart, they're thinking about, okay, how do I enable my entire customer-facing organization in the same way that I enable my sales teams? And the benefit of that is obviously that you scale and the consistency, but also you're able to then map and measure the different touch points that your customer goes through with your customer-facing organization. And then you can really start measuring and, and understanding where your process is breaking down and where you need to optimize. And if the ultimate goal for sales is to close the deal while obviously providing a great customer experience, from a customer support point of view, like what would that goal look like? Somebody who receives the support they expect or is that something different? Yeah, the ultimate goal, I would say from a monetary perspective, is to expand the customer relationship. In order to do that, you need to be able to show value. You need to show value to the customer that you're working with. If they value the solution that you offer them, over time, they're going to start using more of it. So I think that's really where it starts for the customer success professional, is how do you make the value that you provide explicit? And I think sales enablement can play a role there as well and, and can help in doing that. Hence why we see that trend towards revenue enablement now kicking in the market. So it started at sales enablement. It now starts going into the revenue enable space. If we think about a truly customer-focused organization, do you think enablement also has potential to play a role in other departments? I think it definitely does. We're seeing customers and we're having customers of ours who are asking for solutions where we can give their entire company access to the sales enablement platform. And the reason for it is that a lot of the information that we provide salespeople with and then sales organizations with is very valuable information, for example, the engineering organization to have. Like our engineering organization, through our platform, has access to some of our customer meetings so that they can actually review interesting recordings where we tag them in, for example, an interesting product idea that a customer mentions. Well, we'll tag the product engineering team in there so that they can learn about what that customer said within the context of the conversation. And so not within the context of what the sales organization then reports back to them, but within the actual customer context. Also, all of the customer-facing content that we have available as a sales organization, it's really interesting and valuable for the rest of our team and our company to understand how we talk to our customer. And because that way, they can help us understand and fuel that better. Finally, and I think this is going to be a theme that's going to come back throughout our conversation, but it's all about measurement. Like the sales enablement platform is the actual platform where you are interacting face-to-face -face with your customer. So the data that that generates is potentially really, really important and really impactful for anyone that's internal in the organization thinking through either your product strategy or go-to-market strategy. Like there's really valuable information in there. And so that's, I think, the true value that the sales enablement space is bringing to businesses is that it's kind of shedding light on the black box. Because over time, thanks to CRM and thanks to marketing automation, we've started to be able to document and analyze the customer journey, but it would always break down in that last mile. That last mile where your customer was talking face-to-face -to, -face to your sellers or to your, your customer-facing organization, and we weren't really capturing that data until now. And so now we're capturing more and more of that. And so that's really fueling a lot of our insights that help throughout the company in terms of fine-tuning our strategy. 
So speaking of metrics, what do you typically see being KPIs of sales enablement roles out there in market? Like some are quarter carrying, some aren't, but what are the most common ones? Typically, customers go through a bit of a maturity curve where they'll start measuring leading indicators, I would call them. So indicators that show that the platform is being used that aren't necessarily correlated to business impact. So those are metrics like, for example, what's the adoption of a platform? What's the percentage of sellers that has taken a certain training? What's the pass rate on those trainings? What's the usage of a certain piece of content? And so these are really interesting data points. But the question is, what do you do with those data points? And that's where you start tying it back to lagging indicators. Like, for example, how are your close rates improving? And I would argue that that's probably, I would say, one of the most important metrics that I recommend businesses to focus on right now is how effective are your sellers in a customer conversation, in a customer-facing conversation? Because I'm sure you've noticed this as well, but so over the last couple of years, we've seen such a, an overload in terms of information in terms of outreach from business development organizations, marketing collateral that's being sent out into the market. And so it's getting harder and harder to be relevant as an organization and to get in front of that customer because that customer now has so many resources to do their own research. So by the time you get that opportunity to get in front of your customer, then you need to make sure that you have the right information, the right background on that customer, you need to be educated very well, you need to have the content, and you need to have a system that allows you to engage in the most effective way in order to maximize your probability of converting into a deal at that point. And so the question then becomes, okay, what are some of the leading indicators that tell us that your conversion rates are going to go up? And then do we actually see those conversion rates go up over time? So those are some important metrics. Other important metrics are what we would call our average selling price or like the average size of a deal, because obviously a sales enablement platform can also be instrumental in helping your sales team drive more cross and upsell with your customers. And so that's another really important metric that we'd be looking at. Over time, you were already seeing that in the market. We're talking more and more about revenue intelligence. And that's then about tying different data points from different areas in your ecosystem together. One thing that we do, for example, is we'll tie together the stage progression of your opportunities in Salesforce with the content that's being used in the sales enablement platform. And so that way you can start measuring the return on investment of the content that you're creating for your sales organization. Because you can say, well, these three pieces of content have been most influential in our largest deals that have typically closed at the highest conversion rates. That's the type of insights that you can then garner for a marketing organization. For a sales organization, it's all about predictive analytics. How do you then steer an organization towards the activity or the behavior that you know drives most success on conversion? An example there is let's say you're selling into the chemicals industry and one of your colleague sales reps has sold a massive deal into that chemicals industry a couple of weeks ago. Well, there the platform will surface those insights and it'll surface, here's the deck that was used. Here's the training that person took up front. Here's a recording of their meeting. And so all those things together then help that seller to optimally prepare for that conversation. And obviously, again, that requires data insights in order to drive those recommendations. 
so the the algorithm and ai as well will play more and more of a role to enable cells in future exactly yeah it's going to be vital uh, and what's important there is that it's taking the data from the entire marketing and sales tech stack it's not just within a platform within one platform within the showpad platform but it's also then looking at your crm your marketing automation systems tying all that together to really map out the entire customer journey and then based on that drive insights that actually move the needle in terms of those conversion rates mm-hmm. when we talk about moving the needle you're obviously part of the c-suite and you would interact with the C-suite as well, like on customer side. What are typically the strategic considerations on that level that make sales enablement a desirable capability to introduce? The one thing that I hear coming back whenever we have executive conversations with either prospects or customers or out in the market is buyer experience. How do we really optimize the buyer experience of our organization? And that starts with understanding What are we doing today and what's working? That's where it starts. And then it's about, okay, how do we really change the behavior in the organization? How do we put in place processes, best practices, a center of excellence that really helps us drive that best buyer experience towards our customers? I would say that that's really the number one thing that we see pop up because The issue that many organizations are faced with is that they are still very siloed. Sales and marketing and even now customer success more and more just are very, very siloed. And so it becomes really hard then at the top of the organization to understand where your buyer experience is breaking down. Because you obviously hear very conflicting anecdotes from the different teams within your organization. And so just imagine what that then looks like for your customer. If throughout all of those different touch points, they get a very inconsistent experience. And so that's a vital topic, a very important topic that we hear in the C-suite. And I think part of the reason for that is that the promise of CRM hasn't been made whole or it hasn't been completely what people thought of it. So enterprises have invested millions and millions of dollars in CRM, in marketing automation systems, also in content management systems all in an effort to try and streamline that customer journey. But none of those platforms really starts from the seller and from the sales organization because their day-to-day is having those interactions. And when you step into a customer meeting, you're not going to pull up your CRM during the customer meeting and work off of that CRM. And that's where sales enablement kind of becomes that, we call it the fourth pillar next to CRM, marketing automation, and content management systems. You have sales enablement as your fourth pillar, which is really tying a lot of those previous platforms together and kind of becoming a user interface for your sellers in their interactions with their buyers. So I'd say that's a really important topic for the executive team. Then tied into that, obviously, is the metrics that that generates and feeds back into your CRM, into your marketing automation, and actually makes those systems more valuable in turn, right? Because now your CRM is being automatically populated with data from the different customer interactions. Your marketing automation systems are now triggered through actual face-to-face meetings and can hence be leveraged for new campaigns that you can then drive in follow-up of those meetings. So it becomes a self-reinforcing ecosystem that way. Mm, Excellent. I think that really mirrors research that I've come across. It was Salesforce research and they were asking... In the context of a purchase, if the 
experience is just as important as the product? And the answer was actually yes, more frequently for B2B buyers than for B2C. I think that's really reflective of what's going on out there. B2B really have to step up the game to create that experience for buyers out there. Exactly. And it ties back to where we kicked off our conversation. Like, what are the type of companies that we see use sales enablement? Well, we're squarely focused on the B2B market because obviously they have that complexity that they're trying to bring across to their buyers. And so it's repeat meetings, their long sales cycles, complex sales cycles, many different decision makers that come together and that you need to streamline, that you need to bring together around that conversation. And then obviously there's now the wealth of information at the fingertips of the buying organizations. And so I think the one thing that really puts off buyers is when they get a salesperson over to visit them, who's just telling them what they already found out themselves online. So that's where it becomes crucial and really step changing the way in which we do sales, which used to be a very transaction volume-based game to now something that's really about adding value being that trusted advisor and being able to position yourself as such. I think that's a theme that's come up in in several conversations on this podcast that the question, what keeps you up at night is pretty much dead. That shouldn't be allowed in sales meetings anymore. Because first of all, you should know what keeps them up at night based on their behavior on your own properties through your analytics. And then second of all, you should have the industry insight to tell the buyers what should keep them up at night, like the problems that are around the corner that they might not even be aware of. As you said, analytics play such a crucial role in sales, being equipped with those insights to effectively have those conversations with buyers. So what keeps you up at night is definitely a no-go these days. A great anecdote there, which we very often hear from customers that have been using sales enablement and really adopting it is that one advantage of leveraging a platform like ours is that you can also see what's the content that your sellers are creating themselves and uploading themselves. And so what often happens is actually that the salespeople from their interactions with buyers, they understand or they uncover new pains that need to be addressed and they don't have the content yet. So sometimes they just create it themselves. And so in the past that would go unnoticed. And so this trend in the market would go by unnoticed. But now you can actually see, hey, wow, all of a sudden there is this new piece of content that was self-generated, which is starting to spread in the organization. What's that about? And then you can dive into it. You could even couple it then to a customer meeting recording, bring those two together. And just think about the value for the marketing organization, because now they've uncovered something much faster than they typically would because it's real life, real time, and they can see what are the sellers actually talking about and what's resonating with our buyers. So you mentioned on a C-suite level, you have that conversations around buyer experience. When it comes to sales enablement maturity, how do industries and regions compare? And from your point of view, how does Australia compare to the rest of the world when it comes to sales enablement maturity? It ties back a little bit to the two different types of challenges that you solve as like the complexity challenge and then the challenge around like the high growth technology company that's trying to scale up their processes. Obviously of the latter, we see a lot of that in the United States. So in the United States, there's a very large community of tech companies that have already adopted sales enablement and that are really like pushing the boundaries of sales enablement, obviously because their tech companies themselves, like they're trying to get the most out of the tech. So that's a really interesting 
space and area for companies like ours because we can like co-create with our customers. They push the needle on the platforms. And so that's where we see a lot of the innovation bubble up is from the insights and from the use cases that we solve there. As a result, the States is, I would say, the most mature market right now when it comes to sales enablement, because there is a large community there that speaks about and to sales enablement and just keeps building the knowledge and the best practices around the topic. But then a very interesting dynamic as well is when you talk about like the complexity element that sales enablement helps solve, like that's something that you'll find back in more traditional industries like manufacturing and engineering, medical devices, like those types of industries, they have a lot of those problems that need to get solved. And so that traditional industry, those large enterprises, you typically find them both in Europe and in the US, but as a percentage of the total economy, like they're very dominant in the European markets. Like for example, the German market, the Dutch, the French market, like we see a lot of those types of customers there. And over time, we're seeing more and more adoption for enablement platforms like ours, particularly the Australian market. We recently opened our office there. So we're, we're getting to know uh, the market. We're getting to know a lot of the customers there. However, a lot of our customers that we've saw that we've started working with in the States and in Europe, they have divisions in Australia as well. So there's actually already a very large group of Showpad users in Australia. And we see that there's a very active community there as well with events being organized, with podcasts like yourself being recorded and aired. So that maturity is definitely on the rise as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a common theme, what you said about the US being the birthplace of sales enablement and those other non-techie industries basically lagging behind. Would you say the, let's say, the pharmaceutical and manufacturing companies in the US are more sophisticated in sales enablement than those in Europe because of the proximity to tech companies? I'm a little bit biased here because obviously Tripa was founded in Europe. And so in a very early time in the founding of our company, we had a couple of really large European enterprises who adopted our platform and who started working with us. And so some of these companies have been customers for the last seven, eight years. And so we've actually gone with them through that transformation. And I would say that they're some of the most sophisticated companies worldwide when it comes to sales enablement. And they've obviously like they've been really valuable partners as well in creating and developing our roadmap. That said, like you do see that in, in the United States, you see a lot of sales enablement professionals from tech companies that get hired by these enterprises because they're now building those teams and they're building those capabilities as organizations. So that's accelerating some of that trend. But I wouldn't underestimate like in Europe, there's some of the most sophisticated sales enablement teams and deployments in the world are actually with some of these large European enterprises. Mm -hmm. You mentioned European companies expanding into Australia. How would a global business leverage sales enablement infrastructure to launch in a new market? Because most of the time, an expansion, especially in a tech space, is really sales heavy. So the most resources on the ground in the new market would be salespeople. So how, how can sales enablement infrastructure be leveraged in those new markets? It first starts with the knowledge. We talked about that, that tribal knowledge as well uh, to an extent, but even for larger enterprise organizations, like it's important that you find a way to deliver the knowledge, the insights that you've built over time within 
the market, the original market, and into that new market, you need to transfer that knowledge there. We're seeing it now ourselves, for example. We just launched our, our Australian office a couple of months ago. Well, we have a couple of Showpad employees there with some years under their belt, but we also have a lot of new employees there. And so we need to find that balance between having those people on the ground educate them, but at the same time, providing from a distance all of the insights and the information that's required for them to get up and running and to get up to speed really, really quickly. Yeah, so in terms of launching into a new market, you could think about a new product launch, for example. Like you have a new product that you're bringing to market and you want to make sure that your sales team is actually going to adopt that and going to drive distribution for that product. And there's a couple of elements in there. The first is obviously that your sales team needs to understand the value proposition of the offering, the solution you're bringing to the market. They need to understand what's the customer profile, what are the pains that we solve with this, what are some of the key features and key functionalities and the value those provide that I need to be aware of. So that's the first really important step in doing that. And that's where sales enablement can obviously help because we can not only, we can standardize how you deliver that type of information, we can then also measure how has it actually been consumed? How has it been digested by the field? Second, and I think this is a really important one that we can't forget, is practice practice the delivery of that. Because this is a new value proposition. And so what you want to avoid is that your sales team is practicing with actual live customers. Because let's say it takes them 10 times to perfect their pitch. You don't want them to do that with their first 10 customers and burn through those customers. You actually want them to do that in a safe environment. And a very interesting anecdote there is Showpad has this functionality where a seller can actually record their pitch and then submit it to their manager for feedback. And so what we see in the data is that a seller will, on average, re-record themselves eight times before they send it to their manager. So now they've already practiced eight times before they actually go to a customer. And the manager is then able to coach them and to help them. Thirdly, your sales team needs to be equipped with the right materials. How do you go beyond a PowerPoint presentation? How do you make it more engaging so that, for example, you can do co-creation or you can do discovery with the customer in a dynamic way through, for example, a dynamic HTML5 that you can navigate through and as such uncover the needs of your buyer and then tie that into the, the offering and make sure that we then measure as well how that content is resonating with the buyer afterwards so that the marketing team can then fine-tune and improve improve all that. And then lastly, you want to measure. You want to measure whether your sales team is having those conversations, how those conversations are resonating. One thing we can see, for example, is whether a conversation is cut off midway or whether they actually go through the entire presentation, yes or no. How much time are your customers spending on a certain deck and a very interesting anecdote there is we had a medical device company in the States that launched a new product. And so they organized their sales team, West Coast, East Coast. And what they saw was that the East Coast was actually much more successful selling the new product line that they had launched recently. And as a result, that team was hitting their profitability targets because the new product had a very positive impact, favorable impact on the profitability mix of the product portfolio that they were selling. And so they then started looking at it in the Showpad data. And what they could see is that that sales team had presented at three times as often that new product than the team on the West Coast. And then they started looking into, okay, why did that happen? And that way they could actually figure out, okay, 
this is a, a leading indicator for us in the future when we launch a new product we can see like from day one that our sales team is going out we can measure of the customer conversations that we have in what percentage of those meetings are we discussing this new product that we're launching and now from day one of the launch they already know whether they're on track versus in the past they would only see it in their sales data which is coming maybe with like a two or three month lag interesting it's always amazing when you hear those kind of stories, how organizations learn about themselves and surprise themselves as well in the way they succeed. I think that's a common theme at the moment in the sales enablement community as well that I come across is the question, how do you scale excellence? Like, how do you identify what's working really well and then scale it across the organization? And yeah, I think that anecdote really confirms that. Exactly. Yeah. There are so many ways in which you can identify what those best practices are. But you then need to have a, not just a platform, but you need to have a process that captures those and then turns it into actual insights that you can train and that you can educate your sales team on in a scalable way. Absolutely. From your point of view, you were talking about big implementations for like global companies with your platform. What would your advice be to business leaders who really want to make sure that their business maximizes ROI of sales enablement tech? What are the crucial things they should consider? The baseline is that they can't think that the tech is going to solve the problem. The tech is an enabler, and it really starts with a mindset. You need to change the mindset of the organization to one that wants to really organize around that excellence that you mentioned, and so scaling that excellence. And that starts with understanding what excellence looks like and then committing to, based off of that data, building new best practices and implementing new ideas that, that help drive that excellence throughout your organization. I think a lot of companies underinvest in the sales enablement function. Sales enablement as a function is not a luxury. It's really a necessity. The sales enablement team kind of builds this bridge between your marketing and your sales organization, very often as well like your product organization to ensure that we are always thinking about, okay, what needs to happen in order to facilitate the collaboration between those different teams. And I think without having that in place and without really having that conviction as a business, as an organization, that you need to build the process and kind of like your, your enablement charter before you plug in the platform, you're not gonna achieve the same type of results. Obviously there's some very, straightforward use cases that sales enablement can solve and that are just plug and play. Like for example, solving your content distribution challenge and making sure that your sellers have the right content at the right times. Okay, that's pretty straightforward and we can help solve that relatively simply. But when you really want to build that learning organization that then takes that data to further improve not only the skill set of your sales organization, but also the content that they leverage with, the way they engage with their buyers, that really requires some thought and a framework built around it. Yeah, that's excellent advice. I think, as you said, it would be naive to think that you introduce a platform and then all your problems are solved. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It would be good if it did. I guess you would be able to charge much more than you do. But unfortunately, there's much more work to be done in the background. Exactly. And I do think like the trend in the industry is really, and when you talk about the C-suite, like I think the big trend that we've seen in the last two to three years is that companies really realize that it's about building a new organizational muscle. 
this is really a totally new capability for most organizations. And I think a lot of companies, and COVID has accelerated this, obviously, but a lot of companies that in the past would rely on that tribal knowledge and that kind of organic knowledge transfer have now come to realize that, especially in a distributed world, you need to be more deliberate about how you set up those practices. Well, on that note, Henrik, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your, your knowledge with our listeners. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Best is to connect on LinkedIn. Happy to uh, accept any connect requests and answer questions or continue the conversation about sales enablement. A lot of information on our, on our website as well, the Showpad website, where you can find a lot of information on the topic as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hendrik. Thanks for having me, Felix. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at krugermarketing.com learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com learn.